Let's open up Holy Scripture now to Psalm 103. We'll consider together as our text this afternoon the first two verses of the psalm, verses 1 and 2, but let's read the whole psalm together. Psalm 103, this is the word of the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, and his righteousness unto children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those that remember his commandments to do them. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all, Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his, that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. That's how far we read God's word. Let's reread a moment, verses 1 and 2, our text. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits.
beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, if I asked you among our minor creeds, which one we read quarterly and we hear some verses out of this psalm, would you know which creed that is? We hear this, these words every time after we have the Lord's Supper. It's part of our Lord's Supper form after the main bulk of it, and then you partake of the supper itself, and then there's that concluding section which contains these words. Realize you don't have the Lord's Supper today. We did in Heritage, and I plan to preach this in a couple of hours there, if the Lord wills, but that just for your instruction. This is part of the Lord's Supper form at the end, and you can understand why. Just partaken of the covenant meal, and your heart is brimming with joy over the Lord's goodness. And then you say in your heart, as the form is read, bless the Lord, O my soul. But that's not just at the occasion of Lord's Supper. That's really every time that we come together for worship and really every day of our life, understanding how good God is to us, and even that he's loaded us with all sorts of benefits. We cry this out with the psalmist. Psalm 103 is a very beautiful psalm. Didn't you? Pick up on that once again. It's familiar to us, but just reading it again in public worship, it's breathtaking. Very fine, gripping, deeply touching psalm. And the doctrine that runs like a golden lace through the entirety of the psalm is the mercy of the Lord. If you say, what? makes this psalm distinct, it would be that. Not that other psalms don't speak of God's mercy, but this one majors on it. Verse after verse after verse, the mercy of God. And it explains how the Lord gives so many benefits to us. Once again, benefit after benefit after benefit that come out of his rich mercy upon his people. In the first two verses, which are our text this afternoon, we don't have yet spelled out for us all those individual benefits that the Lord bestows upon us. We just have the idea, benefits. And then the rest of the psalm spends time spelling those out. So let's look at Psalm 103, you might say, in a more general way, getting an appetizer a bit about what the rest of the psalm is about. Let's do so under the theme, bless the Lord, O my soul. Let's see the reason for that. Why, why does the psalmist speak thus to a soul? Bless the Lord, there has to be a reason for that, so we'll spell that out there. Secondly, the meaning, getting to bless the Lord, O my soul, as such looking at that, and then third, the need. The reason, the meaning, the need. That's what the psalmist says. He exhorts or commands his soul, bless the Lord, O my soul. Why does he say that? 
Well, the reason the psalmist says that is the Lord himself because of who the Lord is. So let's spend a few minutes looking at who this Lord is. That name you notice is used a couple times in the psalm, and you know that Lord in all capital letters is the name Jehovah. Bless the Lord, or Jehovah, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, Jehovah, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. When you hear that name, Jehovah, children, what have you been taught to think? What does that name mean? Well, hopefully one of the first things that you think of when you hear that name is covenant. Because this is the outstanding covenant name of God. Jehovah, he has established an unconditional relationship of friendship with his elect people in Jesus Christ. He's our sovereign friend. And doesn't that even just come out in the fact that he has a name? Text even specifically says that. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. The very fact that he has a name means that he's not a thing. He's not a number. He's not an object. He is a living, conscious, personal being. And the very fact that he has a name means he has revealed himself to us, who and what he is, and he has put that very name on your lips so that you may use it, you may speak his name. The covenant is just bubbling up all over in that. In fact, when you go a little later on in the psalm, it speaks of that doctrine of the covenant. Verse 18, to such as keep his covenant and to those that remember his commandments to do them. And then when you think of all these different benefits that are going to be spelled out in Psalm 103, for example, he forgiveth thine iniquity, he healeth thy diseases, he redeems thy life from destruction and crowns thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. What are all those benefits but covenant blessings? He's taken us into a relationship with himself and within that showers us with covenant benefits. Jehovah, covenant God. And if I asked you children, what else might you say? does that name Jehovah mean? You might say that he's a sovereign God as well. Rules over absolutely every particle of the universe that he has made, has power, reigns, controls all things. And especially in this arena that we call salvation, He's sovereign in that, which is just to say he reigns. And there's no one that's going to hold up their hand and say, not for me, if he has determined to bestow blessing and salvation upon one, he certainly will 
irresistible grace. Salvation is all of him. He's sovereign, God is. And he does whatsoever he pleases. As you go on in Psalm 103, that idea of Jehovah, sovereign, comes out in different places as well. For example, verse 6. And notice the emphasis on God and what he does, and he's not going to fail to do it. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. Or verse 8, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He's sovereign. And then if I asked you children one more time, can you give me something else? that the name Jehovah means besides that he's covenant God and he's sovereign? You might remember that the name Jehovah means I am that I am, which means, at least in part, he never changes. He never changes. He is forever the same. And when it comes to your salvation... And Jesus Christ never swerves to the right or to the left in that respect either, but is always the same. Again, look at the psalm, verse 11. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. And we know that he's never going to change in that mercy. Or verse 13, like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. And he's never going to change suddenly and remove that pity from us. Forever the same. This Jehovah is your God and your Father. Rejoice in that name Wonder in that name, love that name, covenant, sovereign, unchanging God. But even there, we haven't quite done justice to who this Lord is because the text tells us even more. It informs us that he's also a holy God. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. God has a name, of course. We briefly mentioned that before. God's names are different than ours. You have a name and so do I. It's just a string of letter, how many letters long. And all our names really do is just help keep us separate from one another. My name is different from yours and We can tell each other apart by our names. They're just labels. But when it comes to God's names, there's such a richness and a depth and a treasure to that because his name reveals to us who he is and what he does. And here, his name reveals to us that he's holy. And maybe the first thing that comes to our mind when we think of the holiness of God is the fact that he's perfectly and eternally consecrated to himself and that there is no sin or darkness or evil or spots within God, but he's light and perfectly pure. That, of course, is God's holiness, and 
that's not missing, of course, here in the psalm. But especially we ought to think of the holiness of God as the fact that he's transcendent. He is the exalted one. And everything that is creation is infinitely below him. He's sitting loftily on his throne, unmatched in excellency and power and in dominion. He's infinitely high and lifted up over absolutely everything that he's created. That's the holiness of God. He's awesome. He's majestic. He's holy. And then it's no surprise when you come to the end of the psalm in verses 19 through 21 that it says, The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his, that do his pleasure. He is holy. Why does he say, the psalmist, bless the Lord, O my soul? Because of who the Lord is. But there's another reason he says this. Psalmist says, bless the Lord, O my soul, also because of all the benefits that the Lord had bestowed upon him. Here's the text again. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Benefits. Benefits, probably the simplest way that we could put it, are good things. When you get out of the territory of our text and you keep on traversing through Psalm 103, it will spell out one by one, one after another, what these benefits actually are. I'm not going to expand upon them too much this afternoon, but I do want to give you an appetizer so that maybe you can go home and study Psalm 103 and soak in it for a while as a family. The leading benefit Really the foundational one, most basic, is the forgiveness of sins. And that's what we get into right away at the beginning of verse 3. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities? What a benefit. He's taken our sins. He's forgiven them for the sake of Jesus Christ. And then also, after the forgiveness of sins, the end of verse 3 who healeth all thy diseases. And then when you go a little bit further, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Benefit after benefit, good thing after good thing. And he gives us all those blessings in his mercy upon us. And there we come to that doctrine that I said makes Psalm 103 distinctive. This is the thing that stands out and the golden thread that runs through the verses. The mercy of God. His mercy is his compassion upon us. 
tender pity upon poor, miserable sinners. And his mercy, furthermore, is the power of God whereby he takes a hold of us and lifts us up out of that misery and woe and wretchedness and lifts us so high even beyond ground level so that we're supremely blessed. That's God's mercy. And now it is in his mercy that he forgives our sins. And it's out of his richness of mercy that he healeth our diseases. And on and on. These benefits are good things that the Lord gives to us in his mercy. And what we can say further about them is that they are bountiful good things that he's given us in his mercy. Maybe you got a sense of that as we were reading the psalm together. It's almost like A shovel has been taken and is just scooping it on and making a huge, ever-growing pile as you read through the verses so that at the end you're almost dizzy with all the blessings that he showers upon. They're bountiful. And that's why, too, the psalmist uses not benefit, not singular, but in the plural, benefits because there's a whole mass that he bestows upon us in his son. It's interesting that the word benefits here is actually the same word as when the Bible speaks of ripe, as in ripe grapes, or the word benefits is the same word as when the Bible says weaned, as in a child that's been weaned of its mother. A ripe grape is a grape that has completed its maturity. And a weaned child is a child that has completed drinking milk of its mother. And now in that sense, benefits are complete. They're full. God has given us so many. And to say but one other thing about these benefits given by God in his rich mercy, is this. They are exactly that, bountiful good things out of God's mercy that he's given or that he's dealt out. That's stressed by the text, isn't it? That these come from the Lord, which means none of them come from us. They're not of us. They're not from us. In fact, we in no way deserve these benefits. We have not merited them. We have not earned them. They are 100% undeserved, unmerited. The Lord has dealt them out. They're of God, given in his rich mercy for the sake of Jesus Christ who has died for us and paid for our sins, and he alone is the one who has merited or earned them for us. And what makes these benefits even sweeter to the taste is knowing what Jehovah has not dealt out to us. We did deserve 
for him to give us punishment for our sins. And we ought to have had come to us suffering under his wrath both now and forever. But he didn't give what we deserved. He gave us what we didn't deserve. Blessing after blessing. And now, this man is so taken in by it all. And he's so overwhelmed that he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. This is Jehovah covenant establishing, keeping, maintaining, preserving God. This is Jehovah who is unchanging. This is the God who is sovereign and he's holy. He's awesome, high and lifted up and majestic. I say this because of who he is and because of all these benefits that he's given to me for Christ's sake. This is a man who is completely overwhelmed by it all. Have you ever had someone give you a gift and you were so amazed by this gift that this person gave you that all you could do for a minute is say thank you, thank you, thank you so much for what you've given me. You repeated your thank yous because you were so grateful for it. That's the psalmist. He doesn't say it once. He doesn't even say it twice. He says it three times. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Because he's so amazed and he's staggering at the very thought of who the Lord is and what he's given to him. He'll say it three times. Are you overwhelmed this afternoon? Are you taken in by and wholly amazed by who your Lord is and what he's done for you? So great things in Jesus Christ. Are you so overwhelmed by it that even in your heart, you have to say it three times, not just once. And you can't wait till the message is done because then you get to sing a versification of this psalm. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And again, even though you haven't had Lord's Supper today, that is one of my favorite parts of the Lord's Supper form. When you've actually partaken of the covenant meal and then you resume the reading of the form. And where does it start? Almost immediately. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And you say it as again someone who knows the goodness of God to you. Coming from your heart are those words. But what does the psalmist exactly mean here? When he says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Well, what this man is doing 
is he is exhorting or commanding his soul and all that is within him. He's really speaking to himself. Sometimes when we observe someone over there in the corner and they're sort of muttering to themselves, we think that person is a little bit strange. They're just talking to themselves. But I ask you today, and I ask myself, do you talk to yourself? Do you say this to yourself? You have to understand that the natural man, and by that I mean a man apart from grace, does not make this exhortation or this command to his soul. But the psalmist was a man who was regenerated, and a regenerated man exhorted his own soul. What he does here, this command, this exhortation to himself, is the fruit of God's powerful grace that's working in him. He is filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit who is directing this very exhortation. And therefore, even the fact that he's speaking these words, the credit must go to God who works in him through him. And where you have, as it were, a conversation with your soul, and where you say these words, people of God, that's the fruit of God's grace working in you too, guided by the Holy Spirit, and is done only by you, a regenerated child of God, and the credit and glory must be to God alone for this. Exhorts or commands his soul. We ought not take soul too narrowly here as if it's just one sort of slice of what makes up who you are. No, we have to be as broad as possible. And another part of the text explains to us what it means by soul. Verse 1, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. When he says soul, he's just meaning all the different parts that make up my inward self That's what I'm exhorting or I'm commanding. That's what is meant by soul. Bless the Lord, mind in all your your thinking. Bless the Lord, will in all of your willing. Bless the Lord, emotions. Bless the Lord, heart, and so on. Can you see how all-encompassing this is? Therefore, it involves all of what we are. And can you see the sincerity of this? He's not beginning on the outside. He's beginning on the inside. There's a genuineness to this. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And it's so personal too. He's not pointing at other people, the company of God's people around him, and saying to the congregation, now you people, and you, and you, and you, bless the Lord. No, he's pointing the finger as it were at himself. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. There's something deeply personal here. And what 
he commanded his soul to do was to bless the Lord. Now be careful here. That does not mean that he's telling his soul to make God higher than he already is. You can't make God higher than he is. You cannot ever add anything to God. That's impossible because God is the infinitely blessed God. He can't be made higher or be added to. So when the psalmist says, bless the Lord, he can't mean those things. You can't give anything to God. But when he says, bless the Lord, O my soul, he means this, bless as in bend the knee before him, soul. Bend the knee before him. Get on your knees in honor and humility and submission for he is very great and he's done wonderful things for you. And he means this too by bless, soul and all that is within me. While you are on bended knee, proclaim, declare the fact that he is the eternally and infinitely blessed God. And while you're on bended knee, soul, proclaim, declare the fact that he is the one who has blessed you so immeasurably. That is, speak favorably of him and recount specifically, soul, one by one by one, all those different benefits. That's what it means to bless the Lord. And if you want to walk away with one idea, it really all just comes down to worship, doesn't it? And that's not just what we do in in Protestant Reformed Church two times a Sunday, although we do it there, and that's the center of our worship life, but worship is what we ought to be doing every single moment of every single day Get down on your knees, soul, and proclaim and declare these things. Praise him. He's so worthy of it. To do that is needful. That's needed. Lest we forget. Read that with me, verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Psalmist knew how necessary it was to speak this to his soul, and that by the grace of God, lest he forget who the Lord is and all of these benefits that he's given to him. You understand this forgetting is not an intellectual lapse. It's not a mere fault with the memory. As if sometimes we say, oh, I forgot that appointment that I had today. We just had an intellectual lapse, a a, a fault with the memory. I forgot my appointment. It's not that. This forgetting is a sin, spiritual coldness. You might say a spiritual lethargy toward the Lord. 
and the benefits that he's loaded upon us. I think you can relate to me here. When I say this, how ashamed we ought to be when we are so little moved by who our God is. And how ashamed we ought to be when his many blessings don't really mean a whole lot to us. And when it comes to his mercy, how insignificant that can be in our eyes and how little to us. Think about this last week. How many mornings did you get up? And the first thing you reached for was your phone. And if you didn't reach for your phone, the first thing that you thought about was the work that you've been given ahead of you in the day. And we certainly weren't thinking about the Lord. How many days this week did you go through almost the whole day, if not the entire one, with all the earthly pursuits, the sports, the hunting, school, homework, salary paying job busy as a mother in the home and running errands but so involved with this that it took until we sat into our easy chair nine or ten at night maybe even that we thought about the lord and had spiritual thoughts we can be beloved so distant so cold so lethargic when it comes to spiritual things And then sometimes God sends trials into our life and we are so struggling and we feel so much pain, whether that be physical or otherwise, that it can be hard. Get up in the day and have this trial staring right at us in the face. It can be easy to forget the Lord. The explanation, of course, for this Spiritual forgetting is that we're sinners. And although the old man no longer reigns in the regenerated, we still have that old man. And we can be spiritually lethargic. Don't you know the roller coaster of the Christian life? There are some days that you can get up and you can say your morning prayer and you mean it, and you know it's sincere. In some weeks that you can come to church and not just sing the Psalter number, but sing it with gusto, and you know it's from your heart, and you're drinking in those words. And other days where you're at the table with the family, and it's not just family devotions, but you're into it, and and it applies, and, and you think about it, and you're meditating, and you have a skip in your jump through the day, joyful in the Lord. But then there are other days for reasons sometimes that we don't understand. That we feel so cold. I'll pray in the morning, but it's a chore. I'll sing that Psalter number, but it doesn't mean a whole lot. I'll do the catechism with my kids, but I can feel I'm detached from it. 
you know, don't you? The roller coaster of the Christian life. And then we learn, don't we? To breathe this prayer, forgive me, Lord, for all the times that I've forgotten thee and thy benefits. And he forgives us for Christ's sake. The antidote to spiritual amnesia is that we say to our soul and sing, as we will in a few minutes too, soul and all that is within me, forget not all his benefits. And the antidote to that spiritual forgetfulness is that we would exhort daily over and over and over as the psalmist does, bless the Lord, O my soul. Never stop doing that, beloved. Never tire of this. What a beautiful example the psalmist has left for us. Then you understand too that God must not only strengthen us to exhort our soul, but that it is God who must also make this exhortation effective so that our soul does actually bless his holy name. So we pray, Jehovah, give me that exhortation and then make that effective for my soul so that I do actually bless thy name with all that is within me day by day. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Amen. Father, that is then our prayer that thou wilt give us that exhortation, make that effective for each of our souls so that day by day we bless thy name with all that is within us. Father, keep us from spiritual forgetfulness. Hold before us daily who thou art and what great things thou hast done for us and work mightily in us by thy grace and Holy Spirit. And Father, forgive us for we have many times been cold, distant, forgetful. Now, Father, bless our worship. Cause that this message too may be applied to our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name do we pray. Amen.